scripture this morning is from Genesis chapter 45, verses 1 through 15. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all those who stood by him, and he cried out, Send everyone away from me. So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard it, and the household of Pharaoh heard it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him, so dismayed were they at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come closer to me. And they came closer. He said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do, you, and now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves, because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land for two years, and there are five more years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his household and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Hurry and go up to my father and say to him, Thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Do not delay. You shall settle in the land of Goshen, and you shall be near me, you, your children, and your children's children, as well as your flocks, your herds, and all that you have. I will provide for you there, since there are five more years of famine to come, so that you and your household and all that you have will not come to poverty. And now your eyes and the eyes of my brother Benjamin see that it is my own mouth that speaks to you. You must tell my father how greatly I am honored in Egypt and all that you have seen. Hurry and bring my father down here. Then he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept, while Benjamin wept on his neck. And he kissed all his brothers and wept upon them. And after that, his brothers talked with him. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. may be seated. So there is this movie from the late 1990s starring Gwyneth Paltrow that I really love. It's called Sliding Doors. And in the movie, and that name of the movie Sliding Doors, it's a reference to a train that Gwyneth Paltrow's character, Helen, is trying to catch very near the beginning of the movie. And in one version of events, Helen is hindered from catching that train, and in another version, she makes the train. And what the movie does is it tells the story of what happens to Helen if she makes the train or if she doesn't. In the version where she catches the train, Helen experiences a series of life-changing events, and they all seem to be moving her to a happier and happier place. 
She arrives home and she discovers that her boyfriend is cheating on her, but she bounces him right out of her life. She had just lost her job. She starts a new PR firm. She meets the perfect man, of course, and she becomes a blonde with a new sassy haircut. In the version where she misses the train, she doesn't catch that cheating boyfriend. She is, in fact, mugged on her way home. She continues in this wretched relationship she has. She has to work two jobs because he's not only a cheater, he's a freeloader. And, my goodness, she is left to go through her life with her boring hairstyle. However, in the end, the better path for Helen turns out to be that second bleaker one because in the first, as good as things seem to be going, it just ends in her untimely death. And in the second, she is not only alive, but she meets that perfect man anyway. To quote Doctor Who, a straight line may be the shortest distance between two points, but it is by no means the most interesting. And for some, like Helen in Sliding Doors and like Joseph in the story of his life, a straight line may not be all it's cracked up to be. So let's, let's catch up with where Joseph is, because last we left him, he was being taken off into slavery in Egypt. Things have clearly changed for him. So if you remember, Joseph grew up in Canaan with his 11 brothers and one sister. He was one of the children of Israel and his wives. By the time Joseph was 17 years old, he had become unwelcomed and unliked by his brothers. As most things go in families, there were a variety of reasons for this. First of all, Joseph was his father's favorite and his father didn't care if he hid that fact from them. He was one of two sons of his favorite wife, and he just liked Joseph best. He showered him with gifts and attention, and that sort of thing tends to rub siblings the wrong way. Then there was the fact that Joseph was kind of a tattletale. Any little thing that his brothers did that they shouldn't and that Joseph knew about, straight to the parents. Straight to the parents. And then there was that dream that Joseph had that seemed to predict that his brothers would all bow down to him one day. A dream that he had and then he boldly told them all about. So yes, his brothers were pretty tired of this little brother of theirs and so one day when they were watching their father's flocks and when nosy Joseph came to check up on them, well, they just sold him to some slave traders to be rid of him. And to make matters worse, they told their father that Joseph had been killed by wild animals. So these were not very good brothers. But despite it all, in the years that followed, Joseph, as we see in today's scripture, had clearly made out pretty well for himself. Now he had quite a few ups and downs, but eventually he found that he was not a slave in Egypt, but he was an overseer of all of the food stores in Egypt which was pretty important considering that Egypt and all of the surrounding lands were in the middle of a seven-year famine. Anyone who needed food, which was everyone, had to go through Joseph to get it. 
Now, most of his brothers have already been to visit once. Ten of them had come before for food, and he knew who they were, but he, they were un, he was unknown to them. And he decided to have a little fun at their expense. He accused them of being spies, and he imprisoned Simeon and told him that he would only be released when they returned with their youngest brother, Benjamin. When they got home to Canaan with this news, their father Israel was distraught. He was still not over losing Joseph and was not willing to lose Benjamin, who had apparently taken up favorite child status in Joseph's absence. So he decided he would just do without Simeon. Strange thought process, but okay. Eventually, though, the famine got worse and the brothers had to return to buy more grain. And they couldn't go without Benjamin, so Israel relented and he sent them all off. And once there, Joseph just continues to toy with the brothers and he threatens to enslave Benjamin after making it look like Benjamin had been stealing from him. And at that point, at that point, Judah one of the older brothers stands up and gives an impassioned speech about how they simply cannot return home without Benjamin. He tells how their father is still mourning another son, the son he doesn't realize is standing right in front of him. He says that if Benjamin does not return home, their father will die. And he offers to stay in Egypt Judah offers to stay in Egypt in his place, but please let Benjamin go home to our father. His speech finally seems to move Joseph into dropping all of the mind games, and he at last tells them who he is. Now, this is kind of a nasty plot twist for these brothers because you know they knew how wrong they had been and what they had done to him years ago. And so here is this brother that they sold to get rid of him, standing in front of them. He has their lives pretty much in, their, in his hands. He has been cruelly playing with them and their emotions. So it's kind of clear that he has not forgiven them for what they did. So... What was Joseph going to do to them now? You can imagine their surprise when he says to them, do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me here before you to preserve life. God sent me here to make sure that you would survive. It was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me the right-hand man to Pharaoh, Lord of Pharaoh's house, ruler over all the land of Egypt. Joseph tells them that the famine isn't even a third of the way over yet and that they just need to move to Egypt, them and all of their family, and that they will be taken care of. Everything is okay. It's all good. It turned out just fine in the end. So the brothers return home and they move everyone to Egypt and Israel is reunited with the son he thought had died many years before. All is good. 
The famine ends and they all survive. The line was not a straight one for either Joseph or these brothers, but in the end, all was well. The nation of Israel, which starts here with the descendants of these 12 brothers, the nation of Israel has made it through. You see, what God did was bigger than anything that was going on between the brothers. God's saving action was there regardless of what underlying problems put Joseph in Egypt, regardless of whether Joseph forgave his brothers, regardless of whether the brothers ever truly repented of what they had done to him. God took action. Terence Fretheim, an Old Testament scholar, says that God took action through Joseph so that life, not death, abounds. God took action through Joseph so that life, not death, abounds. In spite of what the humans in the story had in mind, in spite of what their state of mind was, in spite of their ill intentions, in spite of it all, God intends life. God intends good. God intended to start a nation of chosen people through this dysfunctional human family, and his intentions were not to be dissuaded by the actions of some cruel brothers. This sort of story is not one that is foreign to us today on this side of the cross. Just think about it. Jesus came to earth. Jesus, who was part of the creation of our universe, came to earth and talked and breathed new life into the souls and hearts of those who would listen. But many would not. Many were threatened by Jesus and what he said and what he did, just as those brothers of Joseph were threatened by the dreams Joseph had, by the way their father treated him as the most beloved. And so Jesus, like Joseph, found himself betrayed by man. He was condemned to die and hung on a cross in an attempt to end that which he was preaching and teaching about. But man's actions are fruitless in the face of God's intention. Man's evil deeds and cruel intentions, man's striving for power and dominance and control simply cannot overwhelm God's grace. Jesus, in the midst of his suffering on the cross, said, Lord, forgive them, they know not what they do. Grace was not defeated. Jesus' actions all the way to the cross and the grave pointed to God and in his resurrection God is forever glorified. What man intended for evil, God redeemed. What man intended for evil, God used for glory. Joseph pointed his brothers to this truth that day in the Pharaoh's storehouse when he said, I am Joseph, your brother. You sold me here, but God sent me here. Look at what God has done. Who might we have in our midst 
that we need to point to God in the same way that they may see God at work in their life. Who might stand in front of us in need of forgiveness? Who might stand in front of us fearing our retribution that we might instead show grace to? Grace that we are only strong enough to offer because we know how much grace has been offered to us. Who might we need to say, you are my brother, you are my sister. This world tried to hurt me, but God was with me, and he is with you too. In spite of our choices, in spite of our actions and our misdeeds, God's goodness prevails. No matter what path we are on, no matter what the journey has looked like or felt like, God's presence is assured through it all. And that is the truth that it is our duty to bear to the world. It is a truth that has a power to save, a truth that gives hope to the hopeless, light to those in darkness. May we hold fast to God and to this gospel truth whenever we are feeling discouraged by the twists and turns of life, by the sliding doors that shut in our faces. And may we never fail to share this life-giving, life-saving truth with all whom God has placed in our midst, even when they are the same ones who are making our lives difficult. May all we do be done for the glory of our loving and ever-present Creator God. In the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, with the boldness given to us by the Holy Spirit, let us pray. Lord, our life seldom goes the way we would write it out. But yet, if we are paying attention, that we can see that you are with us in everything we go through. Sometimes we don't see it until we look back on our lives, and we can see that you directed us, and you were with us, and we are strengthened when we do so. Thank you for sharing stories with us of your people, people like Joseph and his brothers, that we might know that there's nothing new under the sun, really, but that you are always the same as well. While we are flawed, you are loving and faithful. We thank you for your presence and your saving grace. May we be the broken vessels that carry your light into the world, shining that light into dark places and bringing hope where there is despair. All of this we lift up to you in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.